The Way Back. What a great name for a reentry program. Today, we dive into the information side of Background Check as we sit down with Robert T. Ray Manley and Katie Milholland from The Way Back. Of course, if you're from the Dallas area, that name may sound familiar, but it used to be called The Way Back House. But it's definitely not the same organization that it used to be. It's much better, much better. And today, Robert and Katie are going to share with us how it's much better and what they're doing and what they've done to help these people coming out of prison. Organizations that help people coming back from prison are near and dear to my heart. So come on, let's do a background check. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is background check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. No. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to background check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, as always, helping people with the past realize their future. You may be asking yourself, well, what do you do at Forgiven Felons, and how are you connected to the Background Check podcast? Well, I'm the founder, J. Dan Gum, of Forgiven Felons, and what we do is we help men coming out of prison get back on their feet by providing practical, physical, and spiritual tools they need to successfully reenter society and become a productive citizen. If you want more information on that, uh, go to ForgivenFelons.org. If you have a loved one that needs a transitional house when they come out of prison, there is uh, on the house page, there's an application you can send them. Uh, if you would like to be, um, if you know someone who has a great story, be a guest on the show, or if you know a business or organization that would like to sponsor the show or an episode, just uh, let us know. You know, We can uh, put you on here, give you some shout outs right now at the end and on our website as well. If you've uh, never seen the documentary, don't forget, it's uh, live on Roku and 2B TV right now. So share the heck out of that thing and watch it and share it and make sure you tell everybody about it. So uh, background check podcast, what do we do, man? What do we do on the show? It's all about sharing motivation, inspiration, and information with all of y'all, anyone whose life has been impacted by incarceration. Sometimes I'll do a solo talk about a specific topic. But most of the time, I'll have guests on the show that have a great comeback story where they didn't let their background hold them back. They're making their background pay them back. So uh, sometimes I'll sometimes I'll have uh, guests on the show that will share their story. Sometimes I'll just have motivational speakers, and sometimes I'll have informational episodes. And today, that is what this episode is all about. You know, when people get out of prison, there are so many things they have to do within the first 30 days. You got to report to parole, then you got to get your ID. But before you can get your ID, you need a social security card or birth certificate. Most people have never applied for either one of these, so they're kind of confused in that process. They can't work or open up a bank account, though, without proper ID. And if they don't have family who can help them track uh, birth certificates down, it's going to be a long, tough road. Then it's time to get a job. You're pressured to do this right away because uh, there's pressure to pay your parole fees. Uh, Any schooling that you took while in prison has to be paid back. Then you have to pay for anger management classes and anything else they put you in. 
to get a job, it's best to have a resume, but you've never learned how to do one, or you've been in prison for 30 years since age 17, and you don't know what a computer is. Today's uh, guests are Robert T. Ray Manley and Katie Milholland from The Wayback. Some may remember it as The Wayback House when they were in the old Decker Jail in downtown Dallas. It was a pretty nasty place to transition to. Uh, I visited a few people there, so I got to see the visiting area. So uh, it was pretty bad. While, now, while The Wayback is going to add housing component again in the future, right now they're focusing in on helping men and women with reentry. I've only known T-Ray for a little while, but I'm very impressed with him. But I've known Katie for several years now, and her heart for helping people in prison and when they get out is bigger than any ones I've ever seen. Today we'll learn what The Wayback is doing and what they are going to do in the future to help everyone that's coming out of prison. All right, let's get to it. Robert T. Ray Manley and Katie from the Wayback House, welcome to Background Check. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thanks thank for you. having us. Yes. Man, this is awesome. Okay, so first, we just need to talk a little bit about, you know, who you are. I mean, you, y'all haven't been the Wayback for very long. Y'all haven't even been at the Wayback very long. I remember going to a place called the Wayback House when it was the old Decker mm-hmm. Jail mm-hmm. and visiting uh, somebody who was there, and it was horrible. <laughs> it was nasty. It was horrible, and I was just in the visitation area. So for everybody listening, uh, the Wayback now is a reentry program, uh, and it used to be called the Wayback House. So uh, so just tell us, whoever wants mm-hmm. to go first, tell us what you do, who you are, and... Um, you know, why you're at the way back now and where the way back is headed. Well, for me, it's been a long journey of, uh, you know, working with individuals that are kind of marginalized, vulnerable populations for quite some time, either in ministry or in the community development background capacity gotcha. I've done. But over the last few years, kind of been more passionate about the reentry, seeing that our communities won't become safer, families won't be united unless we begin to be intentional about this particular population. Yeah. Which really led me kind of started doing some pilot programs around economic development, um, community development with those that are formerly incarcerated. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed that. And then the opportunity to be the executive director here at the Wayback, which, like you said, originally was the Wayback House, been around since 1973. A phenomenal legacy, heritage, a lot of people that have been ministered and served here. Yeah, um, but over the last you know couple of years, made some changes, and I've been here about uh, six months. And certainly, when I got here, I realized I needed more help. So that's See, when I hired Katie as a program. I did. <laughs> She's more of the subject matter expert in this area, and yeah. I use that word expert because she has an extensive background in the reentry area. Yeah. So although I'm very passionate about it, I've had to learn a lot quickly about the reentry side. Um, but my passion is really about working with individuals that are marginalized, outcasts, you know, kind of the, those that people don't typically go to. And I, for a long time, never quite thought of the reentry side as that type of, in that population. Yeah. Um, but so I become very passionate about that. Has it always been so, that way for you? Or was it just, it a- has, I, I grew up as a missionary kid and minister in, in multiple different cities and areas, worked in five, six different states doing economic and community development. So I've always kind of been more the mission. I actually even worked as a missionary for the Southern Baptist Convention for a while um, and then done a lot of different uh, workforce and economic development areas in multiple different states. So 
Um, done some Bill Glass and a couple other prisoner, yeah. you know, things, but not to this level. And uh, started doing some programs a couple years ago, and really enjoyed working with the guys and the families and seeing really, and that's kind of our tag is helping empowering individuals, restoring families, and really seeing you know having safer communities. And so, um, this population is very important to you know those things taking effect. So yeah, yeah. So Katie, I, I've I've known you. I don't even remember how we was. You stalked me I on stalked Facebook, you. right? Well, I stalked you on the internet. Actually, I stalked forgiven felons. I did because I remember getting I, an I don't email. Know if it was an email, it yeah. Was an email, and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I'll come. I'll come share. I never tell anybody no when they want me to come share, right? And so I think I came into the faith-based dorm, the actual pod, not the chapel, right? And and it was a part of what ministry were you part um, of? Alpha, the Alpha, alpha ministry. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, it was it was really neat. I, I enjoyed. That's where I got to meet Mike Jones. Yes, uh, Mike as Jones well, mm-hmm. coming in a part of that. He's doing well, by the way. That's great. He's uh, he's heavily involved in Celebrate Recovery. Fantastic. And uh, playing the guitar for the worship team. He is talented. So, he's got some music skills for sure. So it's, he's he's doing good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um. So I have been involved in reentry for. About nine years, actually nine years ago, nine years next month. Um, started out as a prison ministry volunteer with Alpha on Thursday nights. And from the minute I walked into the prison, into the faith-based dorm, um, I just fell in love with, with the ministry and what it was about. Um, fast forward a few months later, and I just was chomping at the bit to see how I could get involved more to help that population. I got very involved with um, the organization that runs the faith-based dorm at Hutchins and just kind of jumped in and was out there helping in whatever capacity I could. Um, eventually ended up on staff working in reentry um, for several years, and then this opportunity opened up, and um, I'm excited to be here. Um, just, you know, this population is near and dear to my heart. I don't have any kind of story about being incarcerated myself or my family members. Um, it really was just a God calling right. kind of thing and me being obedient to that. Yeah. So I know um, we're friends on Facebook, so I know a lot of the former inmates really love keeping in contact with you. So I know that uh, building the relationship. And that's that, that's what it's all important. Mm-hmm. That's, what, yes. that's what it's all about is building the relationship. Yeah. Because the ultimate goal is to get them to build a relationship with God. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if 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 God can get them closer to Him through us, mm-hmm. then I love the way He does that. So, all right. So now you both used to work together at another place, and now you're working together here. How are you? How have you turned it around? What are y'all doing? What do y'all offer here at the mm-hmm. Wayback House? If somebody says, okay, I, I've gone to the website, what do, what do I do to get involved in the Wayback? What can what can the Wayback offer me as somebody getting out of prison? Mm-hmm. Who all do you offer it to? Women? Men? You know, everybody? And what do you offer? So just take turns telling us what you do. One of the things that uh, I really pride ourselves here at the Wayback is coming back home, a place to be secure, a place to be stable. Um, and so we've kind of changed the, the paradigm a little bit. In the past, they've been doing soft skills, which is basically resume writing, helping to do interviews, helping to find background-friendly jobs and employment. 
Um, but we're doing the uh, continuum of services in a holistic manner. Right. And the continuum of services is beginning in the prison all the way to the time that you get stabilized in your income and your job and you've been there for a period of time. So we have, you know, a uh, stabilization metrics that we use to help get you stabilized and work and change ultimately your heart, your head, and the way you act and where you are in life. So in that, when I use that word holistic, it's also spiritual because we, right. we were originally started by the United Methodist yeah. uh, Conference and Churches um, back in 1973. So we've been around a long time with those faith-based components and principles. And so we're trying to bring those more forward. Uh, what does that look like to really know Christ, you know, and your life be transformed and your heart, your mind, and your family, and then how the community is affected because of how you've changed. And so we've built out different models right now is stabilization uh, pathways and different um, mobilization pathways, and there's different tracks that the individuals that we serve can choose. Uh, so not only in as we work with them in the prison, but as we come on the post side is to help them with, you know, what is your plan on the out, you know, as you get out. And so begin to kind of where, what churches are you connected with? Where is your housing going to be? What type of jobs you want to do? And so working with that individual in an individual way, because everybody's unique and different right. and has right. different stories and mm-hmm. different backgrounds. So how can we help you in your, to tell your story, but also it be transformational, your story, play it forward and how it changes your life so that your story doesn't include going back to prison again. Right. Right. So So that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate for us. That is the ultimate goal was to break that cycle of recidivism. Because I mean, the stats are pretty pretty staggering right now. Yeah. You know, and and nationally, including federal and state, it's Mm -hmm. it's still hovering right around eighty percent almost. State in Texas, no matter Mm -hmm. who you talk to, um, Mm -hmm. it's still above forty percent. They'll try to show you stats that say it's Mm -hmm. it's twenty percent. All they did was change the name of some of their prison mm-hmm. units and call it rehab and and take those stats out. Mm-hmm. So it's still high. Mm-hmm. It's still high. Yeah. Um, even twenty percent is high. Um, it's too high. I think mm-hmm. you know that means one out of five are, are still going back. Mm-hmm. Forgiven felons. We have we have a about a seven and a half percent recidivism rate. Mm-hmm. So we're doing good. We're not there yet, but um, you That's know, uh, but it's still it's still not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's out of about one hundred and eighty men we've been able to serve in the eight years we've been open. So Katie, all right, so we, we hear all this stuff, stabilization, mobilization, uh, sounds like some really good words. <laughs> Tell us in layman's term, you know, what what what, what do those mean? What is, when somebody, what does the stabilization track, stabilization track mean? What is, what do y'all help them do? So from, like you said, uh, pre-release when we're able to, you know, working with an individual or with reentry on the unit, um, ensuring that they've got stable housing as part of that stabilization, okay. uh, making sure that their needs are going to be met, that they are going to access the services that are available to them, that we're going to make sure they understand where they can go for different kinds of help, and then us being kind of that guiding you know, force behind that. So stabilization um, is kind of a faster pathway for our clients that um, they may just want to get out of prison, get themselves housed, um, or us help them with that, and then they want to get to work as quick as they can. Many of them don't really want to um, wait 
to go to work. They're kind of hungry to get back to what they're doing or they need to support their families in some way. Everybody's situation is different. And so not having that cookie cutter that you're putting everybody in is extremely important. Everyone's story is different. How they got to where they're at is different. And they're all different humans and have had different life experiences. So we try to make sure they've got multiple avenues to get out of a crisis mode and into a thriving mode. Um, Mobilization is going to be a longer pathway to kind of get them in a a career or education of some kind that looks different for everybody. Like we, we all were speaking earlier, it may be somebody wants to go to automotive school um, or get a certification in something. So we partner with trainers. Um, We walk them through the process of how they can get those kind of things funding funded um, and just making sure that they have what they need to be successful. The, the two critical things um, for preventing recidivism is stable housing and a job. Yep. And mm. those are the two things that are the most difficult for these mm. individuals yeah. Yeah. to and come by. Right, especially right now. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, you know, we're in the middle of the coronavirus when, right. we're, when, we're, doing, when we're recording this. Uh, when I was in prison, you guys weren't actually in prison because y'all were just goody two shoes. <laughs> um, but 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 you know, kudos for that. That, right. that takes a lot of hard work to <laughs> stay out of trouble. Um, I, that was the two. Whether they were Christian, mm-hmm. Muslim, non-faith, anything, those were the two things that I heard anxiety about. That brought about anxiety the most. Where am factors. I going to live, mm-hmm. and where am I going to work? Right. And so the fact that you guys help help in this area Mm -hmm. is huge it's huge now you guys don't just help um uh people find halfway houses i mean if somebody comes home and they go to a great family lets them come Mm -hmm. you know but that family may may not know how to help their own loved one somebody like that can come up here and get the help that they need absolutely Mm -hmm. and Um, so like what are some tangible things you guys help them with um we are really heavy on ensuring that they have the skills and the knowledge to actually go on a job interview. So we've got a computer lab. They can sit down and go through a learning management system that has, I think now it's up to 400 different modules that they can take um, to learn those skills, how to go on a job interview, how to address um, conflict in the workplace, and then different skills, safety, how to use email, how to, you know, some of these individuals come out of prison. When I ask them, do you have an email address? They've been in prison for 30 years. Right. They don't even know how to set that up. So we'll walk them through all of those things they need to do. Sit down at the computer. I had an older gentleman. He, I said, grab the mouse. And he's literally looking for, for a mouse. mouse. Yeah. He doesn't understand Because there's lots of mice in prison. So. There <laughs> most definitely is that. Um, he didn't understand that. So, you know, giving them the opportunity to learn some of the things that people don't understand are lacking in prison. When you have been in prison for, you know, 30 years, you don't know how to use email. Um, So one of the other things that we have started recently is welcome home kits. We want to make sure that when they are released, you know, a lot of times there's a financial burden to their families just to provide basic things, Um, hygiene, bus passes for them to get to parole, um, we oh, know so that good. parole restrictions are heavy and they have mandatory classes and they, they have to be at those appointments um, and making sure they can get to whether it's the stew pot or the DPS or wherever they need to go to get an ID. If you don't have an ID, you cannot get a job. 
Yeah. Sometimes if you don't have an ID, you can't even get temporary housing, you know, emergency shelter. So, you know, depending on their situation, um, if they have housing with their family, that's great. But we want to come alongside them and help them navigate the process to what resources are available to them, medical care, um, you know, did you apply for food stamps if you're eligible? And then just walking them through all of the things that sometimes their family don't really even grasp that they need help with. Right. This is sometimes very new to their family as well. They've never experienced that transition period post-release. So, um, you know, just the whole process of walking them through all of that. Wow. That is so good. So good. So tell us it's like some, some recent impact stories that y'all have. I mean, do you have anybody that, um, I know y'all are doing things a little different than the Wayback House used to, but uh, I know you, you've already helped some people because you've told me a few stories. So, but just give us an example of somebody who needed help and you gave them help and how that moved them on. T-Ray, it's your turn. Uh, oh, by the way, Robert, it's Robert Manley, but he goes by T-Ray, not T-Rex, but T-Ray. So, <laughs> do you want to explain? Do you want to explain your nickname? Kevin, maybe? Yeah. Well, look, um, Katie kind of talked about that. She works real closely with a lot of the clients, and uh, it's just, I hear some of the stories that she comes back with, and it's just mind-blowing to hear where the person was at some point in his life in a desperate situation, and... I know one of the guys, uh, Kevin, he'd come into the way back and help quite a bit here at the way back, helping with, you know, different things here and helping with the veterans and just to hear his life story and how, you know, the way back came alongside him with the skills, resources, and how it's just dramatically changed his life. Uh, even now so that, uh, you, know, re, you know, he comes back and volunteers and helps. So um, it's just really exciting to hear when a person comes back. One of the guys we're helping right now, you know, he came back and uh, he's still looking for work. We're still working with him, but he was able to come back and help us with a sign and, and, and signage for to get the message out clear and incredible craftsmanship and just a way to encourage and to say, just keep on keeping on. I know we're in the pandemic, but to uplift them, encourage them during this time. And so whatever, however, and we can find those methods to come alongside you, encourage you, um, and to strengthen you. Uh, that's what we're here to, yeah. to do. So one of those stories, um, there was an older gentleman that was a client, and he came in very regularly. Um, he'd done some temporary work at the ferry, was on parole. Um, he'd been out for, I don't know how many years exactly, for a little while, um, working and whatnot. Um, his wife lived out of state, I think in North Dakota, actually. And um, the state of Texas would not allow him to return home. So he spent a good deal of time at the Dallas Transition Center until he was able to um, have enough money to rent a small place of his own, um, which he did. He worked some different temporary jobs, worked at the fair and different things. And um, he came in not long um, not long ago, actually. And I worked with him a little bit. We kind of polished up his resume, let him go through the learning management system, um, sent him on some jobs. And right about the time he was going to um, go to work at one of these um, employers, the state of Texas finally let him go home to his wife. But and stories like that, I wonder if he hadn't had support and he didn't have the guidance of, you know, the way back or organizations that do similar work, right. you know, would he have been successful 
on parole? Would he have been able to keep his meetings and his parole payments and all the things he needed to do for parole to finally look at him and say, you know what, you're doing what you need to do, and now we're going to let you go back home. And so I heard from him about a month ago. He's home with his wife. He's wow. working. He, In fact, he emailed me. He said, I don't have the file. I had the flash drive, and I lost it when I moved. Can you send me my resume again? And so I, I, said, I said, give me your new address. So I updated everything, sent him his resume. He got a job there, and he's reconnected with his wife. And his, his family is whole, and he's working. And, you know, he, he, he did what he needed to do. But I think there's so many people that don't have the help, the resources, and the guidance. Right. And without that, you know, the recidivism rate, you know, it, it goes up. So it's one of my favorite stories. He was just a sweet a sweet man and, um, you know, just kind of made some tough so, decisions. Wow, you, so you had a copy of his resume. We do. So a lot of these individuals, depending on their circumstances, some of them, you know, may want to just hop right out of the gate and go to work somewhere super quick, and they don't even give us that time to quite get that in place. But, um, yes, one of the things that we do is we will help them develop a resume so that they can present themselves as professional as possible to employers. Um, one of the questions that is always asked is using their um, their jobs with TDCJ on their resume. Yeah. So some of them will want to put on there that they worked for the state of Texas. Right. Um, and so we kind of have to have that conversation. Um, okay, so when they want to go check your employers and get a reference, who are they going to call? Right, right. <laughs> so we've kind of talked to them about, um, you know, using a different kind of resume, a functional resume versus a chronological resume, so that that gap in their employment is not as noticeable. But yes, so we'll we'll help them with a the resume and keep it on file. So they, I had a gentleman actually who was a client quite some time ago call me and say, I need my resume. So I talked to him a little bit, updated it for him and, and got that to him so that, you know, we could kind of connect him with some employers now. So and with, you know, with COVID-19, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Yeah. So the need is there and this population um, is much more vulnerable than 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 many others so the need to help them is is greater and i think there's great work to be done so yes yes okay so uh tell me about future plans what are what are future plans expansion what do y'all have you know any plans to do way more than what you're doing now we do uh currently right now we're working on kind of a one-stop shop kind of a one campus where all the services are in one place that seems to be one of the more difficulties. You have this for different social services, but not for this particular population that have to go through the same right. process. Right. So, you know, you can easily spend so much time in our transportation system here in Dallas. It's difficult going from one place to the next and getting this, as Katie stated earlier, trying to get your ID done, trying to put an application in. So having everything at one location, your housing, your training, your employment, everything together, uh, we be extremely beneficial. So we're work that's some of the future plans we're working on. Yeah. Um, and as we kind of build out the different employment tracks, because like we said earlier, housing and employment are two big pieces. So that we're expanding on those and building out new tracks. We have more uh, opportunity. The client has more opportunities to, to select different types of tracks that fit their needs. So that having that individual plan is real important. But that means we have to have more uh, variety of services for that person. Because as we stated earlier, it's not cookie cutting. We're going to walk alongside you with your individual plan for your individual transformation. 
but that requires a variety of services to be all in one location for you. So we're working through that process now. Uh, we're doing some uh, fundraising around that to begin to get the funding that we need, uh, getting the vehicles that we need for transportation, the uh, trailers that we need for social enterprise, to have another variety of employment, not just your typical job, but a lot of the, our guys like to work for themselves. So we're building out those tracks as well. Um, so there's a lot of things that are in process percolating now, and we're fundraising around those efforts uh, to get everything more centralized, more easier for the client to access services. Uh, but in addition, too, is the spiritual component, is right. how are we walking with them spiritually right. so that they're, they're, you know, as they can begin to pursue their relationship with Christ, do they have a mentor, not only Katie as a case management and her team, but also as, you know, a mentor, somebody that's they're connecting and learning um, that how the, how God's work can be transformational, and so having the one stop shop, everything's in one place, where you can access those services That's and good. not spend a lot of time running around because it's so frustrating, you know, yeah. extremely frustrating. Sure. All right, so so if somebody gets out of prison and they they need to they they don't know anything about church mm-hmm. out here because they've they got saved in prison, right? And they've mm-hmm. spent thirty years in there. Mm-hmm. If they just say, hey, can you point me to a good church? Absolutely. You know, you guys have, have the ability to do yeah. that. Yes, and I try to always encourage them to find a faith family. I think that support is extremely important. Um, I am cautiously selective as to where I send them because, right. as, as we all know, not all churches are welcoming to people no, with backgrounds. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if, if you want evidence of that, uh, people... Go listen to episode four with Ron and Don Atkins. Mm-hmm. Don had 46 felonies. Wow. She did over 26 years in and out of prison. Mm-hmm. She got radically saved in prison, got out, and went into the first church that she saw and was escorted out. Wow. And so, so it, you know, it's, it's a, the it's way a... she wanted to worship God was not the same way the church wanted to worship sure, God. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, so it was, you know... It was uh, it was tough for her. I think, I think that she found somebody that goes back to to the cookie cutter. Listen to what they're telling you. Um, yeah. You don't want to mm-hmm. send someone somewhere. It doesn't matter where it is. If it's a housing program or a church, um, that doesn't line up with their personality or their needs. And they may already be associated or affiliated mm-hmm. with Correct. a certain denomination Correct. or whatever. And you guys mm-hmm. can send them yes. to. And the places. I think for me, um, with my experience being in reentry for so long and my past. Um, position, I worked with a large number of churches right. that came into the prison, yeah. connected with a lot of pastors or just volunteers who really loved on this population. And so I've got that network that I can, hey, where do you live? And in fact, I've sent people to your right. church. I'm like, right. hey, go check out JD yeah. Hunt's church. Let me connect you guys. Or even in Fort Worth, I've got some friends out there um, who've been incarcerated and the people who just um, kind of pour into that population. So it's important for our churches to recognize that um, God calls us to serve these individuals the same way he calls us to serve anyone else. And um, the Bible talks very frequently about those in prison. So yeah. um, it's important that they find that connection and they find a place where they're welcomed and uh, that, that our churches go out and, okay. and do that. So T-Ray, if, if there's a family out there listening and they have a loved one in prison uh, and they have a lot of questions before they even their, their loved one comes home, uh, you know, and maybe they're not going to the halfway house, but they're coming home. 
if a family has a lot of questions, hey, what about this? What about that? Can they contact you now, even before their loved one gets out of prison, mm. and say, what do I need to know? You know, can mm. y'all tell me anything? You know, and then can you begin walking the family through, you know, mm. some of the steps to be, to get ready, what to expect, and all that. Yeah, definitely. Um, they could definitely go to our website, you know, and, uh, and we'll the, have we'll have all that information yeah. in the show notes, the links at the bottom. Right. Here, they can so. do that. And also, you know, contact us, um, you know, and we do have, you know, Katie and it works with them quite extensively to make sure that there's a good connectivity. Because, again, right. that's in our tag is how do we restore the family? So it's not just empowering the in-person, but the family component is so important. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, but then how that family lives and is also effective and carries over into their neighborhoods and communities. Right. Sure. And so, you know, how do we come around them? So it's not just one individual, one program, one ministry. It's a team approach. Uh, and that needs to be not just for this population, especially for this population, but we all need that support to somebody to say, well, are you making the right choice? I mean, how can you do that? And so the family support, and I didn't mention this earlier, JDM, but one of my, uh, my nephew is actually in prison right now. And so we come around him and, and, you know, he sent a couple of letters to us, you know, back to uh, my sister sends it to us and contacts. And so I know that from that, that how important the family is to the mm-hmm. individual before he's released, you know, so as they make that reentry change over, right. they know they have a support system, right. you know, so to come good. out. But in addition to that, you also have those in our family has been, you know, victims of crime, you know, over the years in a couple of different situations as well. Um, so I also know that there's been some of the families as the individual comes back, they may have been associated with something that's happened. And so how do we help them work through that? That knowing now that one of their family members that may have victimized them, how are they going to receive him in right, a way? Right. So even though he's changed there, but has he really changed? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. understanding it from both sides, right. you know, so uh, being the person that's been affected by the crime, criminal or the crime, but also maybe it's also, hey, we want to restore him, but how's the family restored as right. well? Right. And yeah. so that you can bring the family more whole and complete and, and have that unit working together. Uh, as it got intended it for to do we, so, we so do good. get calls from families. You know, talking my husband or uncle, or right. you know, I had a young lady call yesterday, looking for housing for her uncle, and right. she's like, I don't know what to do. This is new. My, you know, his 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 mom is very ill and elderly now, and so I kind of talked to her about the process and what is release going to look like, and right. there really is a transition period, and you've got to wrap mm-hmm. your head around this that. Um, there's steps that they need to take and there's supports they need and, and just, you know, walk them through that process. So oftentimes I think families feel um, ostracized. Yeah. So it's important, too, that, you know, that back to the churches, too, that our churches rally around those families as well yeah. um, and help them through that process. So I think, too, one of the things that we've seen over in the past and working through this particular process and working with this population is not to rush the process, yeah. you know, so quickly they're ready to go back to the family. Mm-hmm. Family wants to bring them back, but there needs to be kind of a, te- a period of time to work on the heart, work on the head, work on the per- whole person. So by being in programs such as the way back or forgiven felons and say, hey, let us come alongside you right. so that it can be a, a good transition time. But we've seen so many times the transition is too quick yep. and then the yes. stress is there or those influences are there when you go back. And so I want to encourage those that are listening that are also kind of transitioning to 
take your time to be right. you know, restored before you connect back to the family, back to where mm-hmm. you go, and be around those guys that have come through where you're at. That's good. You know. Okay, so it's called The Way Back. It's not called The Way Back from Prison. So if somebody who's never been in prison but maybe is an addict, struggling with drugs, substance abuse, or anything, and they've lost everything, they're just trying to restart, and they're trying to find their way back from some sort of crisis. Do you guys help those guys too? Generally, yes, um, to, to in some capacity. And I do get calls like that as well. If it's somebody who has not been impacted by the criminal justice system and is just struggling maybe with addiction or homelessness, um, thankfully there is a fantastic list of resources in our area. And doing this for so many years, you become aware of the places that help different populations. So I'm able to kind of walk them through that um, and make those referrals um, and help them get where they need to be. We certainly don't want to turn our backs on people in need. So um, our specialty, of course, is is individuals who've been incarcerated. Um, We do work with a lot of veterans as well. Um, There's a large population of people who've been incarcerated that are veterans. 30% of all of our guys that have come through Freedom Felons have been veterans. Yeah. So there's, there's something to that. And while they have access many times to additional services, they also have been through other traumatic situations often. Yeah. So we, we run into a lot that have been dishonorably discharged. Right. And then they're a felon in, in, in regular society. So they're they're like they're striking yeah. out in two That's different double whammy. two different demographics. <laughs> right, right. I went on a podcast called The Veteran Network and uh, with Indira Grace and she's got a great podcast and she she wanted me on to talk about you know, the veterans coming out of prison. Right. And she just, she wants to be a support to all the veterans, but she wanted to talk about, you know, the percentage that comes out that actually did did time as right. well. Because a lot of that has to do with, we had one resident that fought the Vietnam War. Yep. And that's where he got addicted to heroin. Right. I'm like, what do you mean you got addicted to heroin? He's like, they gave it to us. Right. That's what helped us through all the bloodshed and right. things help us forget things that we had to see. And, yeah. And I'm like, that's crazy. Crazy. So, um, well, cool. Uh, anything else? Uh, do we want to do we want to dive into what we think is wrong with the, uh, the, the our judicial system or our, our prison system, or do we want to leave that for another show? Mm. But so, all right. Obviously, we know that TDCJ is lacking in some things, uh, not punitive things. They're lacking in rehabilitative things. But I know that uh, you've been a part, Katie, of a faith-based dorm. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have faith-based dorms when I was in prison. I think they may have just got started, uh, like at the Hutchins unit, as I'm coming out. But right. they didn't have any. I didn't have any option to go. I was at five different units. There was not a faith-based dorm. Right. Um, they're they're almost at every unit yeah, now, they're and, they're, mandated. and they're amazing. Yep. And and I feel like they've done a lot to help guys successfully reintegrate. Absolutely. Uh, but what is one? What is, in your in your opinion, Katie? And you may have an opinion about it too, T. Ray. But in one, in your opinion, what is one thing that TDCJ may be lacking on the inside, as far as from a rehabilitative standpoint? One of the things that I've seen, and I kind of touched on this earlier, is individuals, especially who are going in and doing lengthy sentences, are coming out completely unaware of or uneducated about what society looks like now. If you leave prison and you can't use a computer at all you've not been exposed to any kind of technology or training on how to use it, you now are at a huge disadvantage as right. opposed to 
the the young man over here who popped in for a, a state jail felony and popped back out six months later. Yeah. So I think technology is one of the things, and I know there's um, great debate over allowing that in prison, um, but I believe that that's one of the things that we just aren't there yet. And I think there are some states who are pushing that and are farther along. Oh, yeah. There are some states that are using technology yes. in prison like crazy. I mean, crazy. let's look at the pandemic. These individuals who were in the middle of parole required classes. Yep. In order for them to leave prison, they have to complete it. Everything halted. Yep. Um, I know that they were trying to do some of that with paper, you know, packets, like kind of like the old homework packets from grade school. Um, and I give them kudos for trying to come up with a way to accommodate that. Right. But had we been farther along in this technology and kind of gotten with the game a little bit, I think that that cutting everything off wouldn't have happened. Um, right. I think we we are doing them a disservice by not investing um, in technology for this population. We want them to leave prison. We want them as society wants them to leave prison and become assets. Yeah. We want them to not repeat their crime. We want them to be good citizens, but what are we doing to help them get there before they leave? We want that, but does our system really want that? Because in the end, I'm, I'm probably going to step on some toes, but in the end, the system is a business. It's a, it's a revenue generating business. And if every prison in Texas shut down, a lot of jobs would be lost. A lot of profits would be lost. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, there's a, there's a documentary out there called, uh, 13th. It talks about the 13th Mm -hmm. amendment and how the only, you know, people want to talk about how slavery doesn't exist anymore, but according to the 13th amendment, it legally still exists in the form of inmates in prison. And it talks about how even back then, even in the 70s and 80s, how prison just became a huge business, mm-hmm. convict leasing, all that. Mm-hmm. And and somebody at the end, it might have been it might have been uh, Brian Stevenson, uh, the Equal Justice Initiative. Mm-hmm. It might have been him that said it, but there, one of them said it. Said it. We really don't want prison reform because if we got if we got prison reform, people would lose a lot of money. And I don't know that they want to lose a lot of money. Right. And so, or not just prison, but criminal justice reform. Right. Uh, because it's a, there's money involved in the judicial system, there's money involved in the prison system, and there's money involved in the parole system. Right. You know, so, but anyway. I, def- I mean, I think there's some strides to be made. I think that there are definitely people with good intentions who really want to see, I mean, you and I know some of the same people that oh, work yeah. inside the prisons, and their heart is in the right place. They want to see them really... Um, do well. Um, I've been very impressed lately working alongside of Reentry. I got a phone call on a Friday afternoon. I was actually off work at home sitting by the pool and Reentry is calling me like, can you help me find housing for this guy? And I'm like, absolutely. Let me get out of the pool first. That's awesome. I think that that there's been a little bit of a mind shift. I think that we have a ways to go, but I think that there, there are some people that are trying desperately to to make that change and make that shift. Like I said, we've got a long ways to go with yeah. a lot of things. There are some that have good hearts, yeah, they do. but their hands are tied because of a system that's broken, I right. think. All right. Anything else Anything else about the way back that we should know about? Definitely a lot of, a lot of exciting things happening. Uh, the pandemic has made us pivot Slow and made down some a little d- bit. adjustments, yeah. but uh, we're on the swing shift of... Some great and exciting things happening. So yeah. we got a lot of good things percolating right now. All right, now. so tell us the website. 
the it's the the waybackhouse.org. It's the, long. Yeah. The T H E the waybackhouse.org. Yeah. Go visit today. And is there any other? I mean, all the information they need is on the on that one website, right? Yeah, absolutely. Phone number. Mm-hmm. They can send us. Do you have a Facebook page or social media page? We do. Okay, we Facebook. Okay, Facebook and up. LinkedIn. And LinkedIn. All right. Absolutely. So, uh, so if you have a loved one in prison and, and you need some help uh, in in transitioning and reentry, please please don't hesitate to to give them a call. Absolutely. You know, or even call us at Forgiven Felons because we're working together. We're partnering with the Way Back to uh, to help some people. You know, uh, we're going to collaborate, and so we're going to whatever we can't help with, they're going to help with, and vice versa. Right. And so, um, so get a hold of us both. If you can't find the WayBackHouse.org, then look us up at Forgiven Felons, and we'll connect you with Katie and T Ray. Guys, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much for this time. It's been very it's been informative, and we appreciate all that you guys do. Thank all you. Right. Jenna, and, thank uh, you much. Tell me again, what's your favorite? Cowboy, well, who's your favorite? <laughs> the Cowboys, NFL, so you already said it. The Cowboys are your favorite yeah, NFL so you team? Uh, Katie, I'm who's yours? I'm on Jay Dan. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> was a second place going to the Seattle Seahawks. So. Uh, okay. All right. Well, that okay. is uh, – thank you, everybody, for tuning in <laughs> to the background check. And we'll see you next time on the next show. Thanks, Katie and T-Ray. Thank You're you. Welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, let's review just a little bit. The Wayback Reentry Program helps people holistically that are returning home from prison. They don't just help them find jobs, they help them in so many other ways, like writing resumes, giving them bus passes, hygiene, food, backpacks. They offer soft skill classes through an online platform. Their goal is to eventually open up some hard skill classes like construction and remodeling and offer job placement with partnering companies. They really are doing it right. T-Ray has the background and knowledge to start these new programs, and Katie has her finger on the pulse of the reentry demographic. Together, they are changing the way reentry is done. They know that building relationships is the key. We're going to partner with them in so many ways, and we're very excited. In fact, we're going to be leasing office space from them real soon. We're going to collaborate on some programs and really elevate the reentry game. We have a resident, uh, Daniel, who just got out after 30 years. He's been locked up since he was 17, so he's needed a lot of help on the computer. And we help him some, but we can't always be right there for him. Uh, In fact, his family was referred to us through the way back, so that's great. So, you know, we're doing the best we can, but other organizations sometimes can fill gaps where other people fall short. And that's one of the things, you know, 24-7, just helping them out. Where we fall short, we're not able to be there right beside them. But places like the Wayback can help. And we house the guys where places like Wayback don't have housing yet. So we're all working together to fill in each other's gaps. And when we do that, these men and women coming out of prison have the best chance of successfully reintegrating back into society. So if you're a family listening and you want some help in the Dallas area, please contact the Wayback through their website, They also have a LinkedIn and Facebook profile, so look them up, follow them, like them, uh, donate to them. Tell them you heard about them on the Background Check Podcast. Hey, and if you want to see more pics, especially the wood sign that one of their clients made, please visit the show page on our website, forgivenfelons.org forward slash background check. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of Background Check. It was fun. We got another great one coming up. In the meantime, if you haven't listened to the others, please check them out. These are some great stories, and it's an honor and privilege of sharing these stories with you. 
And if possible, if you're listening through Apple Podcasts or on Apple platform, please leave us a review. Rate us in whatever platform you're listening to us on. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and we also have a YouTube channel. And don't forget to check out the documentary on Roku TV and Tubi TV. All right? And don't forget, if you want to be a sponsor for the show or an episode, please let me know and we can get you hooked up on that. All right, we'll see you on the next Background Check. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.